Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with worshiping with us, we welcome you this morning. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Let me make a, just a small adjustment here uh, in order to maximize this week and uh, what we're trying to do because we have Memorial Day weekend approaching. We're trying to be at uh, the 5,000 seed card mark between now and Memorial Day. So to maximize that, we have cards available now if you'd like to take those, and that way you can participate all week versus waiting to the weekend, and you can help us sow some seed during the week. And we're asking simply this. If you take some and you don't use them, that's there's no shame in that. We're just asking you that you would return them so that we can keep track. We're not trying to uh, micromanage, but we're also trying to be accountable for the number that we're... We don't want to tell we did 10,000, we gave out eight because someone has 9,600 in their trunk. <laughs> Woo, we sowed seeds all in the back of your Honda Accord. So we don't want to do that, uh, and we're trying to be accountable to that. So if you take them, that's awesome. We appreciate that. But if you don't use them, there's no shame in that. You can just simply return it to us, and uh, we'll repackage those and, and do it again. But I know some of you have taken stacks. If you tell, Just let us know. We're trying to make a, an accurate account of what we're doing um, so that we can rejoice together in what God is doing. Amen. If you've got a Bible or if you don't, we'll provide you some help on the screen. You can go with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And uh, verse number 29, Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. And to skip uh, time's sake, we are going to skip the conversation that got us to this point of the response that Jesus is about to give. But if you'd like to, I'd encourage you to go back and read this uh, sort of account that took place. And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. For just a few moments today, I want to talk to you as the Lord helps us on taking the cake. Taking the cake. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word, I, 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 I came across two things this week. They're not unusual in the culture that we live in, but after just kind of observing them, reading them, it was just sort of a reminder of a little bit of the mentality, mentality of our world and sort of the mentality that people have when it comes to God. The first one happened to be, if you've looked, if you watched the news and read the news uh, lately, uh, you'll know that uh, over the last year or so, there was a young man who was a tight end for the New England Patriots. Uh, was actually a very good player. Uh, his name was Aaron Hernandez. But in the course of actually while he was playing football for the New England Patriots, he um, committed a premeditated murder. Uh, and, and shot and killed a man. He was tried and convicted of that murder, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
he was then put on trial again uh, in a double murder and was found uh, not enough evidence to convict him. But in the course of that, after all of that, um, within the last couple of weeks, they found him. Um, he had committed suicide in his cell. He had hung himself. And uh, over the last week or so, I read an article of the details that came out in the course of the investigation and looking into his suicide. And I'm not here to judge the man. I didn't know the man. I'm not here to judge him or judge his heart. I'm just making a statement. So if don't get all huffy and puffy and think that I'm trying to condemn someone, I'm making a statement, okay? But they found two things that were kind of interesting to me. The first one they found was when they saw, found his body, they discovered that he had written the scripture John 6, 3, 16 on his forehead before he killed himself. And then they shared with the, they, they shared in the article his note or the suicide note that he had left. And he made a statement in there that, that just, it sort of shows the, 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 where people are. And he made a statement in there, and I can't exactly remember the context, the full, full context of it, but I think I can say it and get it pretty accurate. But basically he makes the statement that all of this that happened with the murder and the conviction and him killing himself was all the plan of God working. It was all the plan of God and that God, God's hand was at work. And, and I sort of just read that and I just... I just it just just hit me again people and their mentality and kind of the way they think about God and the plan of God is God a forgiver yes but but to think that the plan of God was for me to take someone's life and to take my own life is crazy that's crazy there's no way you can even have some small idea of scripture and, and, and read that and, and, and read scripture and have any kind of ability to come up with that conclusion. And then I was reading in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a news app that I follow. I happened to read this article, and uh, in, in I, I just have a tendency to just get, kind of get in the deal, and I just read stuff, probably no, no, no edification to it, just reading the newspaper. And I came across this, this article that they were interviewing this rapper, I don't listen to rap music, so I, I don't even know this rapper. But they were making the statement that they sort of had popped onto the scene. And they asked, what did they attribute their success to? Before you clap, let me finish, because you're going to think it's a good thing, but let me get to the whole story. They contributed that their success was the fact that they had finally stopped keeping in their love for God. And that when they finally released their love for God, that the music flowed out. I was like, man, that's cool, awesome. Let me go find out what, I want to see what their music is about. Well, I turned on the first song. <laughs> skip. <laughs> Second song, skip. Third song, skip. I couldn't get about two minutes in a song before it was so much cursing you couldn't even listen to it. And I thought, boy, the love of God is just flowing out of you, isn't it? And they said, how do you live your life? And they said, you know what? Here's my, what's your, they asked, what's your motto in life? And this, they, their response was, my motto in life is I rel- I'm, I'm to live a repented life. Further on in the article, they discussed the fact 
that this particular person liked to go to establishments. Um, how can I say that? Where you pay to play. How can you say that with kids in the room? Yeah, well, say, you, you can get that. You know where I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, is that where we've gotten to? The idea that basically that God has been sort of equated to the genie in the bottle, that he sits on the shelf and is a representation of what he can do, but you really don't need him unless you're in a pinch. And then to top it off, I don't know, it just it, this all kind of came together this week. I came across this. In a recent years, the Gallup poll found that at least half of all Americans had attended church of some type. While it does sound encouraging, the poll concluded that only 6 to 10% of this number is what can be determined to be highly spiritually committed. They arrived at these statistics by comparing the behavior of the churched and the unchurched people in a variety of categories that included people who called in sick but weren't sick, people who lied on their job resume, and people who cheated on their tax deductions. Gallup survey found little difference in the habits of the churched and the unchurched. While the evangelical Christians polled, 40% of them said that faith in God was the most important thing in their lives, only 25% of them tied tie to the local church. And in the, and in the income category of fifty dollars to $75,000 a year, only of the evangel- evangelicals polled, only 2% of them, only 2% of their income was spent on giving to their church while 14% was spent on leisure and recreation. The poll found little difference between the ethical views and behavior of the church and the unchurch. And another survey later found a further deterioration in the behavior among those who profess to be Christians. What does that tell me today? What does that tell you today? What does it tell that that people who are confessing to be Christians, you can't really tell much of a difference between them and the person on the street? There's a very simple explanation about that. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And I have to confess to you today that a lot of people know about God, but they really don't know God. There's a lot of you in here today that know about God, but really when it boils down to it, can I be as bold to say, you really don't know much about Him, and you really don't know Him. You may not agree with that statement. You may disagree because you're saying, well, well, preacher, I'm sitting in a church today. Doesn't that count for something? Well, let me put it this way. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a horse. It doesn't equate. Because really, if you go back in the Old Testament, God took a people unto Himself, a people that was no richer or smarter than the rest, only so He could be to them and be their God. Exodus says this, and I will take to you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And God revealed and manifested himself to his people over and over again. 
He sent angels. He spoke to them audibly. Time and time again, he fulfilled promises of deliverance. Miracle after miracle after miracle. But at the end, his assessment of these people was simply this. You don't even know who I am. That was his assessment. After all God did and after all God said, at the end of it, the bottom line is, he said, you don't even know who I am. And I'm going to be honest with you today. If I ask you today, do you know God? About 100% of you today would answer, yes, I know Him. But the question about it is, is that does your life reflect your relationship with God? Or do you simply use a relationship with God as the context to describe your life, but really there's nothing to show of it? Because you know what? Relationship defines the context and brings purpose. For instance, I'll give you a perfect one. The word stop, depending on the context of the word stop, can determine a lot. For instance, if my wife is about to kiss me and I say stop, that's a different context. If my child is about to go get some food because they're hungry and they say, Dad, I'm hungry, and I say stop, don't eat. That's a context. You might question who I am. But let's be honest. If you're standing on the edge of a building, you're about to fall off, and I say, stop! That's a different context. If you're about to reach onto a pot of boiling hot water and burn yourself, and I say, stop! The context determines the statement. And you can come into a church, but your relationship with God will determine the context by which you hear the preached word. Because you can have one person sitting here, one person sitting there, and the same thing be spoken, but they hear two different things. Why? Because the context of the relationship. One, You can stand here today and say that we need to repent. We need to let God work in our life. We need to put away the things of our flesh. One person has a relationship, says, yes, amen. The other person says, how dare you tell me how to live my life? How dare you tell me how to do that? How dare you put rules and restrictions on me? How dare you? You can't tell me how to live. I'm my own person. Only God can judge me. But the person next to him said, come on, preacher, tell me what to do. Tell me what i got to do to get closer to Jesus. Why? Because there's a relationship and a context to the relationship. When I have a relationship with him, I want everything in my life to challenge me to get closer to him. But without relationship with him, and I say, you know what? You don't want to tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live my life. You can't do that. You have no relationship. You can't challenge me with getting closer to Jesus. You can't tell me that getting closer to Jesus is a negative thing because I want to get closer to Him every day. You know what's crazy is the closer you get to them to Him, the more you realize you really don't know Him and the more it makes you want to know Him. Because when you step into His glory and you get past the veil of your flesh and you begin to find out who He really is, there's something inside of you that says, God, I don't want to just know a little bit. I want to know everything there is. That relationship defines the context of everything. 
The relationship defines the context. Because you know what? Without relationship, the blood of Jesus really does not mean anything to us. Because what is that blood? To, to people without relationship, the blood is a get-out-of-jail-free card. We'll do what I want to do, act like I want to do, and I'll ask God to forgive me. He'll take care of it. But for someone with relationship, that blood is a restoration of the covenant that I have with Him that when I do fall and I do make mistakes and I do have things in my life that I fall to because I still, at the bottom line, am a fleshly being when I I fall to those things. I have a loving father who's able to reach down and let his blood wash me and cleanse me. But that is not a stamp of approval that I can do what I want to do. But it's a way to find and look at, I'm going to look past your mistakes and your frailty and love you for who you are and not for what you do. God doesn't love you today because you're here at church. God's love for you today is not predicated the fact that you came here today. He loved you before you got here. He'll love you when you leave. Your performance does not predicate His love because the bottom line to all of this is relationship. Let's take another one. If I said to you today, how many of you pray? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. You're going to have to have a repentance service when it's all done. If I said to you how many of you prayed, I would guarantee you the, the, the great majority of you, the great majority of you would raise your hand and say, I pray, but let's be honest. If we really got down to the nitty gritty, how many are truly praying? Because without relationship, prayer is, prayer is running through the muck. Prayer is, is tedious. Prayer is... Prayer is sort of monotonous. Prayer is just sort of like going through the motions and repeating some things to get it out of the way. Prayer is clock watching. Okay, I've got to pray for 30 minutes. I'm, you know, my goodness, you feel like you've prayed for an hour. You look down, it's been two minutes. i got 28 minutes left to do. I have no idea. And what do you do? You pick up a Bible and start reading. You figure that will get me through the next 10 minutes. Because without relationship. Because you know what bottom line is? Where there's relationship, communication flows so easily. When you started dating your husband or your wife, or if you've ever been in a relationship, how many hours did you spend on the phone? We've all been there, right? Literally. You can spend hours on the phone not even talking. It's crazy looking back on that, but you're on the phone. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Nothing, just sitting there. Did you hang up? Are you still there? I'm still here. Could you breathe a little louder? I can't hear you. You're on the phone, nothing. You're not, you're not saying anything. Why? Because there's a relationship there, and you just want to spend time with that person. And even if that per- can't, be in, can't be in a physical, physical presence of one another, you know just being on the same phone line, it feels good because you're in a relationship. You know what? When I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't have to be reminded to pray. Because Paul said this, pray without ceasing. Now Paul doesn't mean, let's take this within context, Paul says pray without ceasing. He did not mean that you go to McDonald's and you say, oh dear God, give me a cheeseburger, give me a fry and give me a Coke. And Lord, give my child a happy meal. That's not what he's talking about. 
But when you say pray without ceasing, it never, it means I'm never disconnected to my source. Because you know what a lot of people do? They set aside prayer time, right? I'm going to pray 30 minutes. Guess what? They get in there, they pray the 30 minutes, and what do they do? They disconnect. For the rest of the day, God's not even a conscious thought. But Paul said, don't disconnect from him. How can you disconnect from your source? If you disconnect from the source, you've got nothing. So every day when I'm driving down the road, going somewhere, I'm always connected. When I'm in the walking in the store, I'm connected. I'm not walking around feeling, looking out. Oh, is there an angel behind the, the cereal aisle? Is there? It's not what it's about. But the fact of the matter is, if I'm truly in a relationship with him, I'm never disconnected to the one whom I'm in relationship with. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't believe, I've heard people say that. You know, you get a ring from when, when you get married because it's a reminder to you of the vows you make. If you need this thing to remind you you're married, you are in trouble before you even get out of bed. I, I'm telling you, I don't walk down the, the, walk down the, the, the mall or whatever, and I'm driving a car and touch my ring and go, oh my God, I almost forgot I wasn't married. Thank God I had this thing. I love Kate, 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 I love Kate. I don't wear this thing to remind myself of the commitment I made. My, if my commitment is as shallow as a ring, it ain't going to last. I wear this because I want you to know that I have a relationship with somebody. I want you to know, and it's a profession of my relationship with my wife, that you know I'm in relationship. It's not a reminder to me. I don't do what I do as a reminder that I'm in relationship with God. There's some things I do because I want everyone else to know I'm in relationship with Him. But you know what? Here's, here's what it's like. I brought a little, uh, little, little demonstration for you today. Here's what it's like. This is how most of us have live our, our walk with God. I didn't make this. I, I, I cheated. Now if I can get it open. Really, most of us today, we live our life, and I, we live with, for God pretty much like this, is that we just take the portion we feel like we need. And we take that portion. And we've got that portion. And you know what? Within this portion that we have, we can taste and we can feel and we can, ex- we can know what it's like to feel God. We know what God's like. But you know what? Even if this is your, 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 your most enjoyable dessert, and you like this the most, if I fed you a large pizza today, and you had to eat all eight slices, and then I gave you this, even though it may be what you want, you would not be able to eat any more than this slice. 
Because there would be nothing left in your life and you would have a portion. And even though you would get to experience some part of this, there's still a whole level left for you. But you know what you would say? Even though it's what you enjoy and what you like, you would say, I can't take it anymore. I can't put any more. As much as I want to, I can't because I'm full. Even though I know there is a whole, whole part still left for me to have. I've got all this left for me. I can only eat this much because I'm full. Thank you, sir. Don't let you, don't let you. <laughs> that was your wife. I didn't say that. Your wife said that. And even though you might want with everything in you to take all of this and eat it because you can only hold a certain amount within you and you've already eaten all you can handle, when it comes down to it, all you can do is just eat a portion. And guess what you do? You have to leave the rest untouched. And you can have just a little bit at a time, a little snip at a time, a little piece at a time, but to realize there's a whole portion left for you to take. And we, we come to God, and God has everything, not only that we need, He's got everything that we want. He doesn't have everything you need. In fact, he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And here's the crazy part about that statement. The Bible says you don't even know your heart. So you know what that means? He'll give you desires you don't even know you have. Woo! He'll give you things you don't even realize you like now. He'll give them to you. You're like, what do I need that for? Next thing you know is, my God, look what I got. He not only gives you what you need, He gives you what you want. But the fact of the matter is, when you don't have room for God in your life, you leave all that on the table and you come to Sunday morning and you get your little piece and you, you satisfy your spiritual palate and that's what you have and you go home and say, boy, that tasted good. But you didn't realize that God had all of this left for you to take. But because you did not have any room left, you could not receive it. And you walk away and go, boy, that was awesome. But I wish there was more. And God, why didn't you give me more? And he said, I had everything that you wanted. And not only did I have what you wanted, I had what you needed. But I couldn't give it to you because you had no room left in your life to take it. Because you've got your way, your life, your ideas, your burdens, all of the stuff, your sin, your mistakes all piled up inside of you. And there is no room left. And so when you come to God, all you can do is take a little piece at a time. And God's saying, but if you could just see somehow, I've got everything that you need and everything that you want. It's available. But you just come to church and you get a little piece here and a little piece there and a little piece there. And you say, boy, that's cool. But I'm telling you today that there is so much more more than what you experience in this room in one hour, hour and a half on a Sunday morning. There's so much more that God has for you. There's so much more and so richness of God. It's not just... 
It's not just a piece. It's not saying, you know what, this piece is everything. It's just a small portion of whatever God has for you. We used to have these mugs. We gave them away, and I don't know who designed them, so I can say this, and I'm not criticizing somebody. If you designed them, I didn't know that, so hug me afterwards, and we'll, we'll patch up. We used to have these mugs we gave out to guests years ago that says, and it was really cool. It looked really cool. I mean, it was, it was sort of, it sounded good, but I just, it hit me yesterday. I'm like, that, that's not right. It had this mug, and it had, had, a, had a puzzle piece on it. And very, very, very nicely it said, let Jesus be the missing piece of your life. Or Jesus is the missing piece of your life. And that sounds good, right? Jesus is the missing piece. And I thought about that like yesterday. I go, that's not right. Jesus is not the missing piece of my life. Jesus is the whole picture. That's like me saying to you today, Jesus is the missing slice of your pie. Jesus is not the missing slice of your pie. He is the whole cake. He's not just here to fill the little portion that you have left over that all you can do is, God, I'll squeeze you in. Oh, wait a minute, God. Hold on a second. Let me see. Let me get my calendar. Hold on. I got, I got my calendar here. Hold on, God. Let me pull out my, my, my trusty Apple calendar. Uh, God, looks like I can squeeze you in. Um, I can squeeze you in next Sunday at 10. Uh, I can give you from 10 to 11.30. I can't get you anything Sunday evening. I'm booked up. Um, um, I can give you, ooh, Monday, I can pray for my food. I'll get you there. Um, Tuesday, uh, I'll open the door for that lady. That's good. Um, I'm booked up. So, Lord, if you could, you know, God, if you really could today, if you could just, could just top off my cake, be the missing slice of my life, that would be great. I want God to be the missing piece of my life. I want him to be the whole cake. I don't want to just squeeze God into a Sunday idea and let God just be the slice and I get a piece when I need it. And you know what? If I'm not hungry this Sunday, I'm okay. I don't need to go. I'm not really that hungry. I'll just, I'll pass. I'm good. But you realize he's everything to me. He's everything that I need. He's everything that I want. He's even the things I don't even realize I want. Literally. He, you don't even know. You say, because you know what's crazy? How many of you, don't answer this, just, just answer in your head. How many of you used to like one thing, but now you like another? I, I'm not, I, I'm, I've used this before. I know everyone gives me a hard time. Uh, most of the time, our tradition after Sunday morning, because... When you have small kids, let's be honest, going out to a restaurant is a circus. It's an adventure in itself. So we, you know, the Three Ring Circus, Barman Bailey just shut down. So we, we, we're not picking up the circus. So we decide most of the time, it's easy for us on Sundays. We like to go uh, to grab a pizza on the way home. And sadly enough, we, we have eaten so much at the same pizza place that when I call now, literally, this is not a joke. My wife, she can justify. When I call and they pick up the phone, and I say, hey, it's Joel. They're like, the usual? Yes, the usual. Thank you. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. But it's funny because now the pizza of choice, and don't, don't roll your eyes if you don't like it. It's just what it is. I enjoy Papa John's. I like Papa John's. But for years, when I was in high school, we used to do Papa John's fundraisers. I didn't like Papa John's. I hated it. 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to touch it. I was a Domino's guy. I loved Domino's. Domino's to me was, I loved it. I mean, seriously, Domino's was it. Papa John's, ugh. Somewhere along the line, somebody in Mr. Domino decided to mess with their recipe. Y'all remember that on a wine gun? It's like new Coke. Why mess with something that works? When they did that, I was out of pizza manufacturer. I had to do some praying and seeking. And guess what I landed on? I found Papa John's actually tasted amazing. And today I love it. When years ago I hated it. How many of you today, you like something now that you didn't like years ago? And what you used to like, you don't like now. And guess what? You know what? God knows that. You know what? After 14 years of marriage... Every year I'm married, I find out how, how more and more and more perfect my wife is for me. You better say amen. After, <laughs> you just got a whole thing of brownie points. Yes, store them up, brother. You know what? Because why? Because he knows not only what I need, but he knows what I want. And to know that that's available to me, but because I'm so full on other stuff and I've got so much other stuff crammed in my life that I'm just willing to just accept a little piece and to realize I've got a whole cake that's available to me, but I don't have any room. I'm just going to take a little piece. I'm just going to take a little piece. I don't have any scriptural evidence of this. If I wrote a passage of scripture, if somehow God inspired me to add to the Bible and be the 60, uh, 67th, or 68th verse in the, uh, in the Bible, this is what I would put. Somewhere in Joel chapter, not the uh, Old Testament Joel, the New Testament Joel. Somewhere about chapter 4, I would put this in there. I believe that when we get to heaven, I know there's no sorrow and tears in heaven, and I'm not saying this would be a, this would be a joyful thing, but I just think the context of it. I, I've, I've used this before, but it still just it lives with me every. Oh, it just still lives with me. I think one day when I get, when I got to heaven, God would say, "Come on, I'll take you on a little trip." He'd take me by the hand, say, "Come walk with me." Where are we going? Oh, I'll show you. We walk down. We pass Roman Street, Axe Avenue, <laughs> Corinthian Court. We take a right on Apostles Way. And we stand there, and we're standing in front of this giant warehouse. We say, Lord, what is this? He says, I, I'm going to show you what it is. He takes us in, takes me in the warehouse, says, come here. And uh, what's your last name? Brooks. What? Brooks. Brooks. B, right? R-O. O. Okay. <laughs> so he says, you know what? Let me take you somewhere. And he goes, A, 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 A. A, A, B, 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 B. There it is. There it is. Uh, Michael, uh, John, Tava. There we go, Tava. See that shelf right there? Like, okay, God, what, what is it? See all that stuff up there? Okay, God, what is all that stuff? Let me tell you what all that stuff was. That's all the stuff I would have given you or could have given you, but you never took. That's all the stuff I had for you, but yet you left it because you never sought for it, you never asked for it, so I had to leave it here even though I was willing to give it all to you. I think somewhere when we all leave, we get in our car, 
I know this is silly for some of you. It's way too simple and way too childish, and you're way too spiritual and deep. Grow up. I think when it's all done, if you would see, like Mr. Lawrence, you see Mr. Lawrence when we're done, comes in here and he tied us up. I think when Mr. Lawrence is in here, there's a few angels that come with him as well. They come down and they pick up stuff. They pick up packages, pick up stuff. They pick up healing. They pick up deliverance. They pick up strength. They pick up peace. They pick up hope. And they go and they put it and they file it on your shelf. Because God had it here for you today. But because you were so full of so much other stuff that you weren't hungry for what he had. And so all of what you need is left there. And he comes and he collects it. Because to know that he has what you need, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. And you know what's even amazing is sometimes God gives us what we need and we don't even realize what we need. He gives it to us anyways, only for it to be determined to a future date because the Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for them that love them. But a little farther down it says this, it has been revealed to us by how? By His Spirit. So that means there's sometimes God does things in our hearts supernaturally that we don't even understand what and the how of it supernaturally, but He does it so that it can be manifested to us when we need it. That's what it's about with relationship with Him. That's what it's available today. And my, my, my challenge to somebody today is... Try the cake. Stop nibbling on a few pieces. Whatever you've got to do in your life to empty out some stuff to get more room. There's so much more of God that's available. But for some of us in here today, it's like, I've got enough, preacher. Don't push me to eat anymore. I'm not trying to push you to eat because I'm trying to be mean. I'm trying to realize and tell you, if you think this is great, oh my goodness if you think just a piece of God is worth getting up on a Sunday morning and coming here and experiencing over an hour if you're good with a piece maybe you came here today out of obligation but Maybe you came in today because you said, you know what, I'd like to go to church. If you're telling me a piece is worth getting up for on Sunday morning when you feel like resting and sleeping, oh, dear God, then what value is there in the whole cake? Is there anything in your life that's more important to fill up on than what God. If you're like my dad, I'm not a big sweet guy. I'm not, seriously, this is not a joke. Not, not a joke at all. I don't mean this because I'm so healthy and I, it has nothing to do with it. I did, I did not inherit a sweet tooth. If you don't believe that, you can ask my wife. She'll verify it. The only thing that I really enjoy sweet-wise is chocolate chip cookies. Honestly, outside of that, if I never have a cake, a pie, 
piece of candy. It doesn't bother me. Seriously, it doesn't bother me. I don't know. I just never had that. However, that's not my gene pool. My gene pool is dripped in chocolate. My DNA is covered in chocolate because my father, he, la- he says it. It's sad, but it's true. He's not just joking over the pulpit when he said it. I have been with the man to buffets. And literally at a buffet, his first stop is to go to the dessert place and get three or four different desserts. Eat all of that. And once he's filled this up on dessert, he'll go back and get some meat and veggies if there's any room left. My point to you today is is that don't let Jesus be the missing piece of your life. Let him be the whole thing. Stop making him the part that fits where you need him. Why don't you make him the whole cake? And God forbid today, I'm almost done, Chris, you come. God forbid today that we see a few angels picking up what's been left here because we were too full to receive. That we were too full with life and too full of things and too full of care, too full of whatever in our life that we left what's available. You, I, I, listen, it doesn't take spiritual discernment. I don't have a voice. I don't have some spooky mystical discernment in my, in my spirit to know. It's obvious everybody in here needs something. Every person in here today, you need something from God. Maybe you're not on the crisis of life. Maybe you're not to the point where you feel like your world's coming to an end. But you need something. Even if it's just the gentle touch of God reaching out and you feeling His presence. You need something today. My question to you today is this. You got up this morning. You came here. You put clothes on. You drove and spent good gas money to get here. Why come here only to wait for the moment when the proverbial gun shoots and we can get out of here? Why not see that I'm here? God, what do you want to do in my life today? God, I know what I need today, what I think I need, but, but God, I know more than anything today, you know what I need more than that. God, whatever you want to do today in my life, I'm asking you, Lord, just do it. Do it. You know, the problem is, some of us, uh, I'm really full. I don't know. Ooh, I'm, th- I'm filled up, preacher. I don't know. Have that, have that, have that much in me to open up my mouth and get 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 another bite. I'm 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 pretty full up. So you know what happens when you're full? Guess what you got to do? You got to empty out. And you know what? Some of us you need to do in here today. You need to say, God. Wash me and cleanse me. God, take all of this junk in my life, every thought, 
every action, everything I've done, the spoken and the unspoken, the known and the unknown, and God cleanse it out of me, wash me, cleanse me. God, every burden, every weight, everything that I'm carrying, God, I'm asking you, Lord, I give it to you. I lay it down at your feet. I turn it over to you. And guess what happens when you start doing that? God never leaves you empty. He never leaves you empty. And when you pour out the hymn, guess what he does? He pours back to you. And when he pours back to you, he gives you everything that you need. You say, God, I give you my grief. He gives you peace. God, I give you my disappointment. He gives you comfort. God, I give you my hurt. He gives you healing. Give to him and let him give back to you. But you can't give and receive from Him until you're first willing to empty out some things to Him. And maybe that's hard for you to do today, but can I tell you that if you would release it to Him, He will not leave you empty-handed. He will not embarrass you. He will not expose you. But the Bible says His love will cover you. I wonder this morning, I normally don't like to do this, But I feel strongly to do it today. But if you need something in this place today, everything you need, God has placed here. Not not that it has to be proverbial here, but we're just going to use this as a way to attach our faith. Everything you need today is here. If you need healing, you need hope, you need strength, you need salvation, it's here. It's all available to you here. God, have it here. But you're going to have to come and you're going to have to give him some things. So he said, you know what? For your ashes, I'll give you beauty. for, for 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 your mourning, I'll give you joy. For your garment of heaviness, I'll give you a spirit of praise. He said, give me a chance. Just give me something to work with. You give me something and I'll give you something back you that you don't even realize that's available. But if you give me something. I wonder if there's anybody here today, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but here's the there's response. Anybody here today, you want to come and just give God something? and say God here's what I have and then open up your open up your heart and let God give come on there's something responding but whatever you're bringing to God you say I can't give that to God yes you can give him your mistake give him your hurt give him your pain give him your disappointment give him your 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 bad days give him everything you got give him what you think you know give it to him give it to him and in return let God give you something back don't leave what he has for you down at this altar don't leave what he has for you laying here to be collected and put back on your shelf of what could have been of what should have been of the maybes but let God today have an opportunity to reach down in your heart and your life and let God be the whole cake don't just take a piece today but oh taste and see that the Lord is good Oh, 
Come on, if you're not praying for yourself, I'm asking you to be sensitive. Come on, the Lord is ministering right now. The Spirit of God is ministering. If you're not praying for yourself, that's cool. But I'm asking you, don't just sit there and, and, and just go through the motions. Be sensitive to those that are around you. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. I'm saying you today, there's a whole cake available to you. Don't be satisfied with a piece, but take the whole cake. Take the whole cake. Take the whole cake.